You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. I'm going to pray and then we're going to, we're going to go ahead. Father, we thank you for the time of worship. Thank you so much that you speak to us through, uh, through your word, through people uh, hearing from you and sharing with us. I do pray that you would be with us in this time, that we would hear from your word and be changed by it. Lord, thank you so much for the uh, verses that were read. Um, we know that you can change us. We know that you are able to save. You are able to conquer. And Lord, we do pray for protection now from the enemy, from his works and effects. We pray for you to cause us to stand. We pray that you'd help us to see you as you are. I really pray for a deposit of faith on us today, Lord. Pray that we would see your promises fulfilled and see you lifted up powerfully in this town. I pray this morning you'd break lies. I feel that's a theme that came up this morning in worship and it's going to carry on in this word. And I pray you would break lies. I want to say with Jesus and with that message we heard already, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released and the blind will see and the oppressed will be safe. Lord, I pray that the oppressed would be saved this morning. And be freed from oppression in Jesus' name. Just while our eyes are closed, would you just say a prayer? Just say, God, would you speak to me today? Even if you're not a believer, I encourage you. Just say, God, if you're there, speak to me. Amen. So today, just to, just to let you know, we've just finished last week our, uh, our series on We Are The Church. It was a great series. Did you enjoy it? I really enjoyed it. Uh, being reminded of who we are together in Christ. The body of believers together. Next week, we're going to begin a two-week series, as Matt said, uh, an Advent series. So today, we've got this gap, and uh, uh, Tom, in his kind of, uh, he risked it, really, and said, I can preach on whatever I like. So here we go. So we're going to preach about Liverpool Football Club. No, we're not. Um, we are going to learn about, <laughs> we are going to, uh, we're going to look at, uh, I prayed this week, praying with, spending time with God, and I feel God put on my heart to, to pray about uh, uh, faith, lies, and truth. I really pray that uh, I feel that God has put it on my heart. If you're anything like me, when you get a movie out, or uh, uh, in the past maybe when we rented DVDs, when you buy DVDs, you, you want to look and see what, what do the people on the back say? Is there like five stars? Or does it say, unbelievable, best movie of the year? You want to see what people's opinions are of this thing before you go for it. When I buy a book... Uh, especially if it's a Christian book, I want to look at the back and read the blurbs. What are people saying about this book? And often for me, it's, uh, uh, if I see the names, that's almost all that I need. If I see names that I really trust have, uh, have said this book is worth reading, then I think, right, well, that's probably worth reading. And, and, and sometimes the other way around. If I see a name on the back and I think, ooh, that person's recommending it, I think I'll probably give it a miss. But uh, uh, one other thing, this week somebody said to me, you are really strong. A few times. You are really strong. You're so strong. And uh, the point of these remarks that I'm saying is that uh, the value of comments and opinions all depends on who's giving them. If you've watched a movie and it had five stars on the box and it was rubbish, terrible movie, you might go, wait a minute, what? You look at the box and then you read it closely and you think, Bob's DVD store recommended five stars. Oh, nothing. Doesn't mean anything. You know, uh, uh, Daily Star recommended. Oh, who cares? I want to know what a film critic says about this. Or uh, like I said, the books, I want to know who's saying it. And, I, and you can guess who said I was really strong this week? My three-year-old. Yeah. 
So it makes a big difference, doesn't it? Who says their opinion makes a big difference? Today we're going to look at God's opinion and we're going to try and walk free and look at the lies that, uh, that uh, invade our, our lives and we're going to walk free from them together. I believe it. I've been praying about it. I feel that God has put it on our hearts even this morning. I feel really encouraged by the contributions that were brought. God wants to free captives this morning. I believe many are here who are standing in the shadows of oppressive lies, not living in the fullness of what Jesus has won for them. So we're going to look at Ephesians 6 quickly, uh, verses 10 to 18. So if you want to find Ephesians chapter 6, it's in the New Testament towards the back of your Bible. And it is from the Apostle Paul speaking to a church in Ephesus. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So today, as I said, I want to speak about truth and lies. I really want to look at the shield of faith today. As Paul wrote this, he was actually in prison. And he was probably chained to a guard who would have been a Roman soldier. So you can imagine where where his mind is ticking. And he's looking at this soldier. And these thoughts are coming to his mind. I want to focus on the shield of faith. As I said, I believe people here living in the shadow of lies. All of the armour and the sword are powerful. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace for sure footing, the belt of truth which holds the rest together. But the shield is the armour of the armour. We must protect the truth. We must protect the gospel of peace. We've got to protect our righteousness and our salvation with faith. The shield is the armour of the armour. If you're anything like me, you leak faith. I leak faith. My shield comes down. And I want to start today with just making a point that there is an enemy waiting. This section of Paul's writing comes at the end of this letter to the Ephesians. Where he has been appealing to a group of Christians to grasp what God has done through Christ and by the Spirit. He's calling them to live a life that is worthy of their calling and fitting to their status as God's new society. So you may be here today and you think, well, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm not part of this society. Today, I just want to say you could be. I'm going to offer this chance today. God's offering this chance today to say, I'll put my faith in you. Towards the end of my message today, I'm going to give that opportunity. And I want to give you a heads up in that. We would all encourage you here, the Christians, to call on the name of the Lord. But for those that are followers of Jesus, Paul is calling us to recognize and stand in what Jesus Christ has done for us. He's rousing us. He's stirring us to action. Not to condemnation and try harder, do better, but to life. To the reality of the battle that we're in. 
I've got three points. One is that we have an enemy. Two is that we have faith to defend. And three is that we have faith to move forward. Firstly, we're looking at verse 12 of what we've just read. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Christians, we're born, when we're born again, we're born to new life. We are, as we saw today in in the baptisms, if you were here, we're taken out of our old life and born into new life. We experience peace with God through Jesus. But that peace can only be experienced in the midst of an ongoing struggle against evil. And we can't be naive about this. Before I talk about the enemy, I just want to read Colossians 2.15, just for our peace, before we go into talking about our enemy. The Bible says, Colossians 2.15, Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in his death. Isn't that fantastic? They are defeated. Ultimately, they are defeated. But they haven't conceded defeat yet. And this is the reality. They're not fully destroyed yet. That's why Paul says we wrestle against the principalities and powers. The Hebrew name, oh, let me just read this quote first. Um, There's a preacher in the... Uh, in 1900s, in the 20th century, called Martin Lloyd-Jones, preached in London, a powerful preacher. And he said this, I'm certain that one of the main causes of the ill state of the church today is the fact that the devil is being forgotten. All is attributed to us. We have all become so psychological in our attitude and thinking. We're ignorant of this great objective fact, the being, the existence of the devil, the adversary, the accuser, and his fiery darts. I think even more so, 60 or 70 years later now, our world is ignoring the devil, and even the church ignoring the devil that the Bible talks about quite openly. The Hebrew name Satan means adversary. He is our enemy. And I'm I'm sure we wish we could spend our lives in peaceful tranquility, but beneath the surface, surface, an unseen spiritual battle is raging. So quickly look at three things, characteristics of those forces that Paul mentions. One, they are powerful. He talks about principalities and powers. Jesus refers to Satan as the ruler of this world. And John, in one of his letters, says the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Secondly, Paul says he is evil. The spiritual forces of evil, he talks about. Power in itself is neutral. You can be can be used for good or bad. It can be used well or misused. Well, these powers that he's talking about have no moral principles, no code of honor, no higher feelings. They're unscrupulous and ruthless. This is the reality of this battle we find ourselves in. And thirdly, they are cunning. This is what we're going to focus on a little bit today. They're cunning. In verse 11, he says, stand against the schemes of the devil. We could read that and think, oh, that devil, what a trickster. He's a bit of a rogue, but actually it means the wiles, the strategies. He's purposefully against us, and he knows our weaknesses. He knows where we get tempted. He is careful about and clever about the way in which he works. If you know the Bible, you know it to be true. We look at the serpent with Adam and Eve, how he 
uh, lies to them and, and speaks uh, poison to them. We know that throughout the Bible and even in our lives, we know that he is the tempter. He tempts us and that uh, Jesus was tempted. And the way he tempted Jesus was careful and deliberate. He knew that Jesus hadn't eaten, so he tempted him with food. He knew that Jesus uh, ultimately is going to be king, so he tempted him with all the power now that he could give him. He was careful about what he was, was tempting him with, and he's careful and deliberate with how he would tempt and push and try to kill us off. The Bible says that he is like a lion looking for someone to devour. And he is known as the accuser of the brothers, standing before, standing before God the Father saying, how can you love these people? Look at what they're doing. Look at how they defy you. Look at how they ignore you. And he, is the, he accuses us before the Father. We need to think about this. If God's plan is to create a new society, which it is, then the enemy will do his best to destroy that society. If God has, through Jesus, broken down the walls, dividing human beings of different races and cultures from each other, then the devil will strive to rebuild those walls of division. If God plans that his reconciled and redeemed people live together in harmony and purity, then the powers of hell will scatter among them seeds of sin and resentment. We can't be naive. I want us to see that as our first point today. We can't be naive about our enemy. I don't know if you've seen that movie, The Usual Suspects. And uh, one of the lines in it is, uh, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world that he didn't exist. And these days, some people might say, okay, I, you can believe in God if you want. But I think a lot more people would say, you believe in a devil. A little red thing with horns on your shoulder. We're saying, no, that's not what the Bible says at all. It says we have an enemy and he's real. And if we're naive about it, we leave ourselves open completely to attack. It's so obvious in our culture to look around and see the enemy wreaking havoc as God's plans and institutions are attacked. The church, his greatest plan, being attacked with sleepy Christians and sleepy, you know, giving over, compromising Christian beliefs. Undefended marriages. God loves marriage. We look at marriage and we see how it's attacked and people just off guard, not realizing that Satan is the one trying to defeat those marriages. Not your spouse against you. Satan is trying to destroy that. We must recognize our enemy in our battle. Just moving on, Jesus in John 8.44 says, He was a murderer from the beginning. Talking about Satan. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar. And the father of lies. That's what Satan is. That's what the enemy is. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. He is one who wants to speak poison and slander to you. And I want to watch a video clip here of a movie you may have seen called The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. And it's a clip where a king called King Theoden has been under the oppression of Sauron, the evil oppressor. And uh, he's, one of his work, Saruman's workers called Wormtongue has been whispering rubbish into the king's ear for years he's been speaking poison and slander to the king's ears and the king has grown decrepit and old and um, weak and pathetic and we're going to see what happens I wanted to watch that uh, because Tolkien who wrote the book was a believer and uh, I think it's a great picture of uh, I mean the way he says too long have you been in the shadows? And, and when we come under oppression of the enemy's lies, uh, 
it can have such an effect on us. And I feel like, as God said today, even in the worship, uh, he's come to release those who are in darkness. And uh, even today, that some might be released from lies that have been holding them back. Because I feel like there's many here that God would say, you're not who I've called you to be. I wanted to wait until the end where he says, you might even feel the strength of your fingers better if you hold your sword. Because God says, not just that you be better, but you're better for a reason. You're better for a reason because I've called you to something. And uh, I think it's a powerful, powerful uh, clip. And it speaks into what we're speaking about today. Satan wants you scared. He wants you weak. He wants you discouraged, disappointed, distracted. He wants you self-absorbed. He wants you doubting. And we're going to move on to look at faith and how faith is there for us to be defending ourselves as we looked at in these verses. If we underestimate our adversary, we will go without our armor, with no defense, thinking that in our own strength we'll be okay. And then we will come to a place where we realize we're not and we fail. In verse 16, Paul said, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Well, just quickly, I want to look at what is faith. What is this faith that he's talking about? Um, Hebrews 11 says, Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you don't see. And then that great chapter in Hebrews 11 goes on to describe men of faith through the Bible, through the Old Testament. And really, this, this assurance they have is confidence in God. Not just general assurance, not just general uh, hope, but hope in God. I put it to you that faith is believing God. Faith is confidence in God. Knowing his opinion is greater than any other. Knowing that what he says matters and counts above anything else. John Stott, a pastor and an author who died a few years ago, said, Faith lays hold of the promises of God in times of doubt and depression. And faith lays hold of the power of God in times of temptation. I want you to see that one of the things that Paul says in his holding of the shield is take up. The first notice is there's action required. Take up. Take up. It won't happen passively. You can't say, well, I'm a Christian, so I won't come under any... You know, any temptation or anything, you've got to take up your shield. And I want to look at the pieces of armor. As I said, it def- it's the armor of the armor. So let's look at the pieces of armor that it defends quickly. The belt of truth. As Matt said in the worship time, truth is so attacked in our time. There's, there's even a word that's gone into the Oxford Dictionary, post-truth, where we talk about my, my truth is my feelings, your truth is yours. How can we know what truth is without faith in a truth giver? How can we know what truth is if we don't believe in a truth giver? All truth becomes relative and meaningless. And I feel like that is, that is very true in our time. I have my truth, you have yours, let's leave it at that. Who is to say what is right and what is wrong? Who's to say what I can't do? Who's to say that I can't do whatever I want? Who's to say marriage is for one man and one woman? Who's to say I shouldn't tread on others to get what I want? Who's to say I shouldn't give up if my marriage doesn't fulfill my needs? Who's to say that life is sacred? Who is to say that chivalry isn't actually sexist now? (coughs) Who is to say what I should and shouldn't look at or say? 
Who is to say that life, what life is and how to find joy? We need to raise our shield of faith, not our shield of opinion, not our shield of worldly wisdom, our shield of faith that defers to what God says. I defer to what God says. My faith is going to protect this truth of God. Did you know if you've ever been to a casino? Casinos don't have windows. Casinos don't have clocks. And they sell very cheap booze. Because they want you compromised. They want you to not know the reality of the time outside. So they can keep you there for hours and hours and hours. Drinking a little bit more. And offloading all your money. If we leave our shield down and we open ourselves to the opinions of unanchored... Sorry, to opinions that are unanchored in Scripture then we begin to believe all sorts of nonsense that completely compromises and weakens our resolve and our position. Meanwhile, the house is having a field day, getting all your money. Or if it's the enemy, the house is having a field day. Oh, he doesn't know what to believe. I can get him to do whatever I want. doesn't know what to believe. He hasn't got any faith for belief. isn't trusting in anything. I can manipulate however I want this. We've got to put our shield up and protect that belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. The devil loves to attack our confidence as Christians of right standing before God. He loves to condemn and attack your righteousness. He loves you looking inward rather than upward. He says, you call yourself a Christian. I saw what you did yesterday. I heard what you said. You think you can go to your God after that? You're pathetic. Without my shield up, I say, yeah, you're right. That was really bad. That was, that was, there's even more than that that you didn't say. I can't go to God. I am pathetic. And I cower and I become like that king. But with my shield of faith up, I say, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. I say to Satan, do you want to go back? Well, let's go back 2,000 years to where you were crushed at the cross. Let's go back 2,000 years to when Jesus took all my guilt and shame and sin. Let's go back to the cross where my debt was paid in full and the Father's wrath was completely satisfied in the death of the perfect one for me. You say I'm not good enough and you're right, but I'm not looking at me. I'm looking at Jesus, the one who was and is forever going to be good enough for me. In faith, we hold up our shield And say, stop trying to get me to look at myself. I'm looking at him. And then we turn around and we say, where did you go, devil? Because he's got nothing more to say to us. What about the shoes of readiness of the gospel of peace? The devil wants to trip you up. To cause you to go the wrong way and to make a bad decision and take your peace away. He definitely wants you to be prevented from sharing the gospel. Hebrews 11, as I said, that great chapter on faith, says that by faith men did things. And also, by faith, men refused to do things. We need our shield up to believe God and keep our footing strong and sure. By faith, I want to refuse temptation and distraction. By faith, I say Jesus is better than that temptation. About the helmet of salvation. Satan loves to attack our assurance of our salvation. He says to you, are you sure you're a Christian? Are you sure you're going to heaven? Are you sure God really likes you or loves you? With our shield up, we can say with Paul, it is by grace I have been saved through faith. This is not from myself. 
It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no man may boast. Stop trying to get me to look at myself, for I am God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good things, good works, which God prepared in advance as my way of life. And let's look at the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We need to defend it. God's Word is life to us. It's the only thing listed that is of attacking use, isn't it? Everything else is defensive. Jesus gave us the Word to attack with. When Jesus was tempted by the devil in the, in the desert, he came back with, it is written, it is written, it is written, with his sword of the Word of God. Satan hates you reading your Bible. Sometimes it's very difficult. We don't feel motivated. We don't understand it all the time. It's hard work. Can I encourage you? Do it by faith. Do it by faith. Don't think, I'll do it when I feel like it. I'll do it because, uh, you know, I just love getting up at 5 a.m. and going through Leviticus. Do it by faith. Say, I know I trust God that it is worth it. I trust God that it is worth it. And lastly, we can look at faith to move forward. You might be sitting there thinking, I don't really know anything about this battle that you're talking about. I find being a Christian quite easy. I just want you to beware that you may have opted out of the combat that you've been called to. We live in a wicked and ungodly generation. If you do not find yourself ever needing to fight, it might be that you've compromised this life that Jesus has won for you. Maybe today I need to rouse you from your sleep. Wake up. Jesus said, be alert, be watchful, be on guard. We can't then say, well, what for? This life's easy. We must be missing something. Morris said the other week when he preached on being an army, he said afterwards, three people came to him and said, that's great, I'm up for this. He said they were all elderly ladies. It worried me a little bit. Where are the younger people saying, I'm up for this? Where are the men saying, I'm up for this? The devil wants us emasculated men. He wants us just giving up our responsibility. That may not have represented what was going on in the hearts of people, but it does worry me because that is what the devil would love. And God called us all. Jesus said, be alert. Be watchful. And I am sure there is more for us. Aren't you think, don't you think there's more for us? There's more for us in Ipswich. There's more for the people of God. There's more for his church. There's more for us. Jesus says it's for freedom that he set you free. No longer bound to a yoke of slavery. If you know I, I just live with these, God, these thoughts. I just feel I'm not good enough. Or something my mum said to me once. Or something a teacher said to me. You may just live with something. You just... Jesus said, there's more for you. Don't be bound to a yoke of slavery, but push forward. Push forward by putting up your faith and saying the truth, protecting the truth. We can push forward in faith. And I want to talk about two quick stories of Jesus being amazed. Luke 7 tells this story. I haven't got it all printed, so I'm going to read from the screen. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. 
Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Isn't that an incredible story? This wasn't a Jewish man. It wasn't a man who was in the people of God. This was a, a Roman soldier. The people Jesus had struggled with who didn't believe he had any authority, unfortunately, were the Jewish leaders. But this man who had no history with Jesus, he heard something about him. He knew this man has authority. In fact, he, he, he must have known this man has authority in the spiritual realms over healing. I believe that he is someone. Jesus was amazed at this man's faith. I sometimes think of this story in uh, 1 Kings when Elijah, you may have heard of Elijah in the Old Testament, he did many incredible signs and wonders, saw God move in extraordinary ways. But one of them just springs to mind that somebody uh, died and Elijah lay down on them and prayed and uh, eventually prayed and prayed and saw them raised back to life again. And one time I was thinking about this and it struck me that that's the first time anyone had ever been risen from the dead. In other words, he had no reference. He didn't think, well, I've seen this happen before. So if I do this, then maybe it will happen again. Or no one had ever told him, if you, you, know, if you do this, someone might raise from the dead. He didn't have any manual that said this is how to raise people from the dead. All he had for reference was God's character and God's ability. My God is able and my God is willing. Those are the only things he knew. And he threw himself down and he found victory. This faith, that amazes me, that kind of faith. Not waiting to be prompted, but saying, I believe in this God. I'm going to push through on this. I'm going to push through on this and see God prevail. I want to call you to run. Let's say with Paul, I'm not ashamed. I know in whom I have believed. Push God for his promises and push him on his character. There's also a story in Mark 6, 5 to 6. And Jesus said this, well, it says this, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Which one do you want to be? Do you want to amaze God at your faith or amaze him with your unbelief? Which one is he worthy of you being? Not putting faith in yourself, putting faith in him. And he is worthy of our faith. Maybe you're someone who's been in the shadows too long, listening to rubbish instead of being in faith that God is who he says he is. Therefore, you are who he has made you and you can stand up strong and tall. Let's push him on his promises. Let's push him on his character. Let's push him for Ipswich. Let's push him for things that we're drowning in in our lives and saying, God, why am I depressed? I'm supposed to be a Christian. Why do I feel so down? What's going on with my marriage? What's going on with this and that? What's going on with those friendships? God, I want to push you on these things in faith. Say, no, I don't believe this is for us. I want to come out of lies. I want to come out of uh, untruth that, that, that the devil is trying to get in and amongst us to ruin our progress as a people. We want to push God on asking for more healings, don't we? 
I want to be, be a church that sees regular healings, regular wonders, where we have people saying words of knowledge, which is when someone might speak to someone about something that only God knows about. And you just know, wow, God is aware of my situation because I haven't told anyone about that. Prophecies or insights and, and breaking free from bondage, breaking free from these things that have held us captive. I want to see more of this, and I believe that it is possible. I believe that God's got it for us. Maybe you've never put your faith in God, and today you think he is worthy. This God that we're talking about today is worthy. The one who made a way for me to know him. The one who is the truth, who gives salvation, righteousness, peace in his son, and a sword to fight with. Can I offer, come to him today. Come speak to me afterwards. I'd love to help you in any way I can. Answer questions, if I can. Pray with you. Perhaps you're a Christian, you know I've been in the shadows. I've been living under oppression, and I want to walk free from it. And I want to lift up my shield. One of the things that someone mentioned to me after the first meeting was those shields were massive, and they weren't really for one-to-one combat. They were to hold together with other people. When we pray for you today, we'd love to hold up your shield with you. In the, the Bible talks about armor bearers. I'd love to be an armor bearer for you today. Say, come on, hold it up. Get it up. Get your shield up. Stand in faith. We need to be for each other as we've been looking at the church in the last month or so. Holding up shields, being that community. But there's an opportunity now as we sing again to, uh, to, to just come to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry I haven't had my shield up. I've believed all sorts of things. Will you, sell, will you save me? Will you rescue me? I want to put my trust in you for this situation. I believe that you're enough. I'm going to pray again and then we'll stand. Lord, we thank you for the ability to know that there is hope. There's hope for things that we've felt uh, we've been tripped up by, things that just come back to mind often that aren't true. They're not what you say over us. Thank you, there's hope. And I pray that right now you would come in power. Pray, protect us from the lies and the schemes and the temptation of the enemy. Jesus himself said, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. I pray you'd break lies today. Cause us to stand again. Help us to see you as you really are. I pray for a deposit of faith. I pray that we'd see your promises fulfilled and see you lifted up powerfully in our church. And we pray we would push forward as a body of faith that are not content where we are, but say, no, we want more. We want more of you. We want people to know this amazing love of God that we've been, that's been revealed to us. So we want to push forward in faith and see you act among us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.